Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We are getting in our holiday episode here, talking about your LA Kings, the Pacific onslaught that is coming up, goalie injuries, Gavrikov out and potentially back in. He is skating now. We're talking about the third line, the second line, all the lines coming in here as well as some holiday traditions. So get in the chat, like and subscribe. <laughs> you know what to do. guys on this episode we're gonna have a good one here for you getting in the chat has already started deep dave oh i always like to shout out the first person in the chat first person in the chat here tonight can't wait to get it started go kings go leave right after him hey y'all don't forget to drop the like please like and subscribe hit that bell you know we're coming out with some good content al smith let's go let's go dan come in here hey it's good to hear that gabby is skating hopefully back soon we will get into that that's one of our topics so stay tuned for that richie rich Pre-live chat, let's go, boys. Lieb, Rick, let's go. Everybody's let's go. We're all going. Everybody's going, especially Santa Claus, getting his gifts ready to go. How are you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, holidays uh, right around the corner. Just kind of finishing up my uh, Christmas shopping, so pretty happy about that. Usually I'm a, I'm a last-minute guy, kind of guy. I mean, Speaking of Christmas shopping, I, Al Smith is doing a blank 60 bucks, just throwing us some Al Smith. plot loots. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ask, sir. ask any any question in the chat. You got you got a uh, free question here tonight, my man. Or I guess it's not really free. You dropped the sixty bucks, but <laughs> priority. But anyways, priority. you priority priority question. So uh, throw it in the chat, and I'll throw it up there for you guys. But keep going there, Russ. Yeah, no, just just talking about my Christmas shopping. So yeah, just happy to get it get it all done this time around. So how about you, Joe? Well, well I'll just pay twenty bucks for you to you know. There, we, there we go. Well, I mean, it's it seems like the Dodgers got their their Christmas shopping done. That's right. That's <laughs> you must right. Be happy about over that. a billion dollars. <laughs> Just a little bit of money spent this offseason for the Dodgers. Hey, so good Just for that. I, I was hoping the Yankees would get Yamamoto, but I got no issues with the Dodgers. So full marks to them. Have at it. That's that's awesome. But yeah, like it, I mean, yeah. It, it's always like. The thing with the Dodgers, though, it's like this this regular season is going to be fun to watch. But I felt like with how well they've been playing throughout the every regular season, it seems like for the last 15 years or so, it's just like you get to the point of the playoffs like, OK, now what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So hopefully I know this regular season is going to be a lot more fun because you get Shohei, you get Yamamoto, there's a lot more stars involved. But then it's going to be like, OK, well, what have you done for me lately in the playoffs? So hopefully thank you for well, it's just out, PSD but. for for Dodgers fans. You know, it's tough, man. It's dude, tough. I've been doing so like because I knew well, why one I know the A's are not even gonna even pick up the phone call to to call Yamaha's agent, let alone place a bid. But I finally started doing some research on him that the Dodgers, you know, sign him. It's like, dude, he's five, five, nine, maybe five ten, one seventy, humping a hundred miles an hour. He does no weightlifting. And he says, All my workouts are like like yoga based body movement type stuff. He did some track and field stuff with javelin throwers. And like, he does a lot of like arm based body weight type workouts. And he's like, I've never had arm trouble in my entire life. And like all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it's a different way of going on. And his approach to pitching is all about torque and flexibility rather than just muscle strength, which is crazy. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool to hear. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully he can 
perform well. It was funny. I saw a tweet that was like, yeah, "It's a twelve-year deal, so hopes." So. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw a tweet that was like, uh, "I don't know who it was, but the guy was like, I can confirm the A's are out on Yamamoto." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah. Don't need, you don't need any 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 insight for that one right there. That's you're, that's for sure. Your regular seasons now is kind of like the you know I grew up the Yankee fan in the mid. 90s that was my sweet spot mid to late 90s so i was spoiled and then it just got to the point where it's like i don't need the regular seasons that's cool and all but what happens in october is that it's a failure if it became a point where it, which is kind of crazy to say like if you don't win it all that it's a failure but that's just the way it was for the longest time for the yankees and now for the dodgers you it's can't be world series or bus for 10 years yeah, it, it, it is now yeah which hey but that's that's good i'm glad to see you comes with the, comes with the, the money and I'd rather he end up there than, you know, Boston or some crap town like that. So, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. We man. love our Boston fans, by the way. Unless you're a Red Sox fan, I'll be honest. <laughs> no time for you. Uh, I'm just kidding. But no, yeah, like, like you, Russ, I'm a, I'm a last minute guy through and through. I always have been. That's just, I don't know, it's just how I operate. But no, I think I was telling Randon before, they've been pretty good shape, actually. I have a feeling my wife will probably go out just to make sure that the boys are, are, are fully stocked and ready to go. Um, but I think we're in pretty good shape. It's a, we're at a great age with my older son just turned five. My younger one will be three next month. So they're like, we're like right at that great age where they're, they're loving it. So I'm looking forward to Christmas morning. That's for sure. It'll be awesome. fun. Yeah. yeah the, the brothers and I are just figuring out what we're going to eat, you know? Um, well, Logan is thinking about doing a full prime rib for the group. So cheers to him for that endeavor. Um, and then I bought one gift this whole, and that's all I'm going to buy. You know, I bought a telescope for my nephews. They live in, uh, oh, awesome. There you go. We live in Idaho. There's four of them, beautiful night skies. Yeah. You know, and, and they're very fascinated with science and stuff like that. So I thought that'd be a cool gift. The oldest one is six. So it's like they're all down from there. It's going to be a good gift for a while to come. And awesome. Um, so, you know, I hope that, hope that goes well there. So good job. Um, any, any traditions that you guys have growing up with with Christmas? Uh, usually, we uh, our family usually goes to like my aunt's house or one of my uncles, and we do like the Christmas swap thing. And it's more just like what I don't know. Everybody has a different name for it, you know. You just kind of roll dice mm -hmm. and, and do all that, but it, it becomes really fun because you don't actually know what what the gift was. And I remember one year, everybody was fighting for what they thought was a bottle of alcohol or whatever, and it turned out to be just like this big old thing of peanuts <laughs> so we do fun stuff like that with the family we i don't know that we have too many in, in the way of tradition like i just know christmas eve was always the biggest the big night for us growing yeah. up throughout like everybody would come to my parents house um and that was the big night and then christmas day was a little bit more kind of mellowed where it was just my grandparents and maybe my uncle um and then you know, things have, as we've gotten older now, my, my siblings have kids and my sister lives in Buffalo. So it's, it's, it's a little bit more like we still go to my uh, parents for Christmas Eve, but it's, it's definitely a little bit different now. Now we're doing something where my, my, my sister's not going to be making it at all for Christmas. So we're going to do like a Christmas for just us and my parents with her and her kids. 
you know, in like a week or so or two weeks or whatever. So it's a little bit different. Things are changing as the kids, you know, as everybody's got kids and everybody's busy now. And mm-hmm. and uh, they couldn't even make the trip the last couple of years in Buffalo just because of the snow they got. They literally couldn't leave the house. So, uh, but no, no, tradition-wise, it's it worked, I don't know, pretty mellow. Just pretty much we go to the same place every time. Christmas Day, we'll go to my, uh, uh, my wife's mom's house. So that'll be, uh, there'll be a lot of food there. That's for sure. I can promise you that. <laughs> We eat a lot. That's good, though. You know, like, why not? Like, you're, you're there. It's like, gains a few pounds around the, the holidays. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, oh, there we go. She's got the, or Teresa's got the right idea. Watching the Niners this Christmas. I'm, I'm excited for the Niner, the Christmas games, you know, onslaught, three straight games. Um, especially since my team is playing and I don't have to go out to a bar to watch them. They'll be on national television, which will be nice. Uh, but the uh, Christmas. Like tradition growing up, you know, I mean, now that I'm older and I don't have kids or anything like that, but growing up, we used to do like a, one gift, like two gifts on Christmas Eve. So one of the gifts was like a Tootsie Roll, which as we got older, we knew was pajamas, right? So it's like my mom would like get us like a, like a themed pajama for the group, whether it's superheroes or sports teams or whatever, to where it was kind of like a themed pajama group for the entire group that was there. And then one... Uh, one gift, whether it was a movie, video game, uh, puzzle, you know, board game, whatever, to where we could have an activity on Christmas Eve, you know. And so, like, Christmas Eve is usually when all the relatives would get together at night. So, my mom was like, okay, well, you know, we'll, op- we'll let you guys open that gift and let you guys kind of like spend some time together, like the kids, and get out of our hair a little bit. And adults will, you know, drink their wine and that type of thing. So, um it was i think that's kind of a cool thing and kids get a little something early they're antsy ready to go yeah i know a lot of other cultures you know especially a lot of latin cultures like the big thing is christmas eve and then christmas day is different so uh it's kind of like a little bit of a um kind of like a hybrid there to kind of like get things going but uh renee coming in here with a happy holiday fellas thoughts on the growing pld hate among king's twitter well, Thank I think we're gonna we were gonna save that for later on, but since you donated the five bucks, let's get let's get to it with PLD the the Twitter and the, the third topic. line. Uh, that is the big topic, so we'll just hit them right in the mouth, like Twitter's been hitting PLD in the mouth, and uh, we'll we'll go with it there. So, how do I want to frame the first question? I'll 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 go with I'll go with Russ. So, do you think that the the demand for more production is is warranted from Kings fans so far. I think so. I think it's warranted. Um obviously I think myself and I'll include Joe in this is we've been we were big proponents of the PLD trade. I don't think it's any secret if you've listened to our show. Um that's not to say that I'm not expecting him to keep continue to perform at the level he has. My expectations were pretty high for him to come in. I thought he'd have a career year. Um, but those expectations were with him playing top six minutes with players like Kevin Fiala, even possibly getting, I don't know, maybe see you see what he's playing with Trevor Moore or Victor Arvidsson if Victor Arvidsson was healthy. You kind of expected him to play with those type of players. But I think, I think it's just tough because, for one, the Kings are playing really well as a team, right? But <laughs> – with so much that was talked about over the offseason that was done in terms of this deal, 
trading away Velarde, trading away Ayafalo, all the pieces that were included this to bring over this one big name and to pay him the amount of money that he's been paying, everybody's kind of overlooking the team's success and kind of focusing more on the single player. And I kind of understand it, right? Which, which is so weird because, I mean, just before last game, the Kings had reached the 40-point mark at their fastest in franchise history. But so much is lost in all that discussion because of PLD's play. And for me, like, I just, I, I want to see more. I, I'm, I'm, that's kind of a long-winded way of just saying I do want to see more. But I do also think that a lot of the success the team is having, I've said this on end, that is because of his presence in the lineup. Andre Kopitar is playing some of the lowest time on ice per game of his career. Uh, look at what Trevor Moore is doing. Look what all these other players are doing in terms of having breakout seasons. I think a lot of that has to do with PL's presence, but he, I think he does need to perform well. So that's why I would love to see Todd McClellan kind of mix things around a bit. And I know that's probably asking too much in terms of you're taking away. I mean, my my theory in terms of that was switching to Dubois and Deneau in the lineup and playing Dubois with Fiala and Moore and playing Deneau with Laferriere and, and Kaliev. Because I, I just think that those two, the expectations with Dubois trying to perform, I think you get a little bit more with him, with him playing with those forwards. And nobody's really expecting to know to perform in terms of offensive production. So I don't think anybody, anything would be missed there. So I don't know. The team's playing well. I'm not too disappointed in it, but I would like to see him perform a little bit well in the production department. So so based on, based on that, Russ, before I ask Joe's question, just give any, everybody thought he would have to be a point per game player from <clears throat> from here on out to set his record in points. Mm-hmm. So if he's a point per game player from now on, he would have he would have sixty five points, and his highest of his career is is sixty three two years ago or last year. So Joe, in order for that to happen, what has to happen with with the Kings in order for that to happen? Well, um, I think I, I was thinking about that earlier today, actually, with with Dubois about what Russ said about um, you know swapping him and Deneau because Deneau, I don't think he's ever hit. Oh, I'm actually no, he hasn't ever hit sixty points. I think his highest is fifty seven. Sixty three last year. Deneau hit sixty three. He did. Deneau. And he hits. He hits six. Oh, Deneau. Sorry. Deneau. Deneau. Oh, sorry. So I guess what I'm getting at is like. Dubois has been the more offensive. That's what he's known for is is more of his offensive game. There were a lot of questions about his defensive side of the game coming into this uh, at the trade and really throughout his whole career. Um, I admittedly said I thought he was a little bit better of a defensive player than he was given credit for. Uh, I wouldn't say that that's been true so far this season. Um, but he's an offensive much more of an offensive threat, I think, than Deneau is. And so I kind of agree with Russ that you bring in the guy that is supposed to be somebody that's going to produce, I would imagine you would put him in a position to produce. Um, Which, if we're being fair, he started the season with Fiala, and there seemed to be – it just didn't seem to click. There was something that seemed a little off. Uh, I I wouldn't mind seeing them go back to that, or I've been beating the Trevor Moore drum for a couple of weeks now. Or, as Russ says, just flip him, and he plays with both of those guys. Um, I think if you look at it, though, the other centers, you know, Kopitar, I think we can can we probably call Quentin Byfield somebody who has the ability to kind of drive play a little bit, right, and make creative plays. 
Um, and you see on the Deneau line, he's got two guys that can do that with Fiala and with with um, Trevor Moore. So it's not all on Kopitar. It's not all on Philippe Deneau, but it's all on Pierre-Luc Dubois to be the creative player on that line, which I think, again, if you look at uh, his – and I hate man, people. Some people hate when I bring up shot assists. But when you look at the amount of scoring chances he is contributing to, he kind of is creating. And when you but, look, but at, the eye test for me in the last week at least hasn't been there. Unless unless you see something different, like he doesn't well, seem so that's, particularly involved. So that's fair. Like uh, I will say because I so I missed and I have not gone back and watched the first of these two Kraken games. So I have no opinion on that i have not watched it i'm i did track the kraken game the most recent kraken game and to your point randon really not involved he had zero shot assists three shot attempts um and we've talked about how he shot extremely low this season and it's funny you say that with the eye test randon i had him for not a single zone entry all game which is very unlike him because he's somebody that has dominated that. And he was getting pushed off the puck by by everybody. Yeah. Now, conversely, the San Jose game, I'm through two periods of tracking that. He has seven shot assists. But take that for what it's worth. It's San Jose and those two periods. I mean, they're playing the Barracudas. Yeah, that was not – those were not two teams in the same league. So – I take that with a grain of salt. So, so you're you're not wrong here. The eye test that matches the numbers, at least that I've tracked, uh, in terms of you know shot assists and, and and zone entries. But as a whole, on the season, he's been arguably the best contributor there. He has the most shot slot passes on the team, meaning he is getting pucks to the slot, leading to shot attempts. Nobody else on the team is doing that more than Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, so I looked earlier, and regardless of who his line mates have been lately, since since Fiala, okay, so when it, it's been, uh, whether it's been Laferriere and Grunstrom or Laferriere and Kaliev, they are, look across the board with it, whether it's Corsi, whether it's expected goals, scoring chances, they do very well. They grade very well in all of those. Their on-ice shooting percentage is 2 and 3% respectively. I got to just think that can't be sustainable, but it has been, you know, so it's, so, and I hate to just say, well, you know, it's just all bad luck and yada, yada, because there is more than that, right? He's got to be a little bit more engaged when off the puck, but I still maintain when he's got the puck from the offensive side of the red line in, he's dangerous. I, I really believe that. Um, so that's not the thing. He's a perfect player, but you know, I think part of this is some puck luck, and I think the other part of this is is he is the sole playmaker on that line. He isn't, you know, and I don't mean to like knock Kelly ever, knock Grunstrom, and knock Laferriere because I I like these players for what they bring. Is so far I see them definitely much more as shoot first guys, but it'd be nice if he had somebody else that could create a play next to him. Right. I've said, like I said, I've said Trevor Moore, maybe try the Fiala experiment again, bring him back and see if that works. But right now it's all landing on him. And, you know, I think he is creating chances. They're not going in. Now, now, Russ, I, I want to ask you a question here. Like it, the eye test doesn't seem a lot for people. And obviously, the, the when they're watching the game and they're throwing these tweets out or X's out or whatever you want to call them, they're ba- it's based off his play based on watching. They're not they're not diving in as Joe is with these 
shot assists and zone entries and all that kind of stuff like that, especially with playing with a rookie and playing with a third, fourth liner in Grunstrom, playing with Kaliev, who really hasn't got much pub above the, the bottom six. Shouldn't he every night, night in and night out, be the most dominant player on that line? And for me, I don't see it all the time. So, like, where is your eye test versus stat analysis on the consistent play of PLD? Oh, no, yeah, the eye test matches what everyone else is seeing. If I said anything else, it would be lying, right? I mean, the the eye test matches the point production. That's really what everyone's kind of looking at. And, of course, it's only amplified by what Velarde's doing in Winnipeg. That's that's the whole reason for it. So, I mean, I, I don't blame people, and it, that's why it's just it's getting hard to defend the trade. I and I get it, and that's why it's. I, I just want the playoffs to get here already because this is why he was brought in. He was brought in to be that third center that the Kings just didn't have. They only had Rasmus Kapari. If they if they didn't make this trade, they had Rasmus Kapari as the only other center in the organization to be the three C. And and let's just happened. get this. Let's just get this straight. Velarde's playing with Shifley and Connor. Oh, like, he's and the thing he's with not, Velarde, he's too. not playing with Rasmus Kapari and Grunstrom. Yeah, like, that's, and I'm not gonna well, I'm not gonna ex- like make an excuse for his production and say like it's not. But he's he's also got like a thirty percent shooting percentage. It's like ridiculously high. You see some of his goals are kind of just happens, and that's kind of what he was with the Kings though too. His his shooting percentage last year on the Kings was probably I think actually the highest. Since that, since like 2007 on the team, so it's it's tough because you compare it. You're not even comparing. They're, they're two different, totally yeah. different players. Yeah. One's a, a a premier skilled winger. That's mm-hmm. what he is in the NHL now. He's not a center in Gabe Velarde. He's a premier skilled winger playing first line minutes with the Winnipeg Jets' best players. He's going to produce. That's not. This isn't kind of a surprise right. at all. I mean, he produced with the Kings. With thing with. Dubois, he's a center. I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting that. That's such a big difference in terms of center production and wing production, especially when you're getting first power play unit minutes. So, and this, like, I get there's excuses because because of that, but you're also looking at it. Like, that's why I want to see Dubois playing with Fiala and and Trevor Moore. I mean, the first, I think it was like, what, the first 13 games that they played together, Dubois had like eight points. So I know it's still not that great, but I mean, when you get eight points as opposed to getting four points in the game since that he's been playing with Leferriere, Grunstrom, or Kaliev, the production's there. And that's kind of why I thought, like, I don't want to say they're misusing Dubois, but it certainly feels that way. It feels like he was brought in to be the second-line center and play with these skilled wingers like Arvidsson, Fiala, Trevor Moore, whatever, and Deneau was going to be the shutdown guy, like be the guy that he was actually brought in to be, but he's still... And maybe that's a lot of it has to do with how well they're playing together with Trevor Moore and Fiala right now. Mm-hmm. But he's still this top six center in terms of Deneau. So, so before, I don't know. Maybe they're misusing Dubois a little bit. But that's that's like what I want to get into, Russ, here. That's what I want to get into, Russ. And, I, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That's no, what no, I want to no. get to. That's my next question. But before that, Ja Lee coming in here, $10. Appreciate you. Hey, guys, Thanks, you're God. the best. No, you're appreciate the best, you, man. Bud. Merry Happy Christmas. Holidays, appreciate it. Uh so we had a we had a discussion. It was last year during the summer, summer 2022, and the discussion for 20 minutes was: Is Dano carrying Trevor Moore, or is Trevor Moore good? And then we saw last year that Dano was carrying Trevor Moore, but then maybe that was because of the concussion. Maybe that was other kind of things. And now Trevor Moore is lighting the lamp left and right. Is and so maybe 
you're having a bunch of play drivers on the same line and that line is buzzing. Like, is that the same way now? Do you think that Trevor Moore could elevate Pierre Luc Dubois' game? Do you think Deneau could elevate Laferriere's game as well as as well as Grunstrom if they put him back on that line? So let's 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 do a two-parter here. Let's start with the first one with the second line. So if Deneau goes up, obviously he's playing with Moore um, on that line, and we and we talk about this in hockey a lot pairings. Do you think their games match? Do you think that Moore is going to carry PLD? Obviously, you don't want uh, a guy that's making eight point five million being carried by anybody. But do you yeah. think it could spark a game in him and 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 get that line going? And, and what do you like about that pairing, Joe? I don't look at it as needing to carry one or the other. I just think they look they complement each other. I think Support, it'd be nice. Right? Yeah, I think it'd be nice. Like I said, if Dubois had somebody else that could be a little bit more of a playmaker, a little bit more creative, a little bit more of a, of a passer. And I do think Trevor Moore has that in his game. Like if they've already tried Fiala, and I don't know if the, the coaching staff has any interest in going back to Fiala with Dubois right now, I obviously have no clue. Um, so if that's not the case, like I think Trevor Moore is a, a, a pretty good alternative because, again, he is somebody that can create um, – create plays and, and and make dangerous plays. We see him come out of the corner with the puck and be a really dangerous threat, be it on a shot or a pass. Um, so, and I don't think right now that that's something that Pierre-Luc Dubois has on his line with, with Grunstrom or with Calia. You figure Trevor Moore, I and mean, the games I've tracked so far, has 14 slot passes. That's good for fourth on the team. Laferriere... Grunstrom and Kaliev combined, the three of them combined have like 17, if my math is right. So just three more with three more players. It's like, imagine if Pierre-Luc Dubois had somebody that could feed him, and we know he likes to play in that dirty area in the slot. He's good in the middle of the ice there. Like if he can get there and have somebody that can actually get him the puck, where right now I think he's kind of forced to play a lot more maybe on the perimeter because he's the guy that's always got to make the play, always got to make the pass to somebody in the slot. And it's right. I don't know. Like right now it's, 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 it hasn't clicked. I mean, again, I, I think performance wise, when you look at shot attempts and possession numbers and expected goals, it's perfectly fine. It's really good. In some cases, there's no finish right now. Now, why is there no finish? Um, I don't know. I mean, is it, is it LaFerriere? Is it, Kaliev is a grunts jump. I mean, these guys are there to be shooters, right? They're there to finish. Um, and they've all finished at various levels. So I, I don't know what the answer is to why there's no finish. I don't want to just lazily say, well, it's puck luck, but I sometimes that happens. Um, so I just think I don't look at it, Randon, as as Moore or Dubois carrying one or the other. I just think it it offers Dubois somebody else that can make plays that I just, as much as I like Kaliev, as much as I like Laferriere um, and Grunstrom, it's just not quite what they do, right? It's not necessarily why they're there. So, so Russ, you know, we, we, you and I both have been components of flipping, flipping the centers there. But then you still have three playmakers on the second line and only one playmaker in Janot on the third line. Would you drop, like, would there be an instance where you drop Fiala back to the third line with Janot? 
you put a shooter on the second line, maybe Laferriere or Kaliev, and then have the other one in Grunstrom. So you have you even it out and really roll the waves as the Kings like to do with two playmakers on each line and each give them a shooter uh, compliment. Or or do you wanted to see P you know PLD get the full uh, full compliment there? I just want to see him switch. Just switch Dubois on to no. I mean, I'll just go back to what I said earlier. It's just the expectations for Dubois when he came in are compounded with his the trade that was made and the dollar amount given to him. So everybody is expecting him to produce, and he's not producing. He's also not – I don't think he's given the opportunity to produce. So that's why, like, with Deneau, he's not – there's no expectations for Phil Deneau to produce. Nobody's Nobody is expecting or really even – Is that because he is producing? No, I think that's just because of the player that he is. I, I think then also a lot of his production is also because of Kevin Fiala just kind of – as much as people hate Kevin Fiala, like this guy just – he's the Why best do player people, on the what, team. What, can I, he's I'm a, glad you – can we talk about this? Do, I don't understand. Like, Joe, tell me. Yeah, he's, he's, he's he has the most – like every single thing you look at, like I think that Fiala, it's like a weird thing. Like the, my eye test, I'm looking at Fiala, I'm like, okay, he had an okay game and it's like two assists. You're like, where did that? Yeah, like, exactly. You're like you're looking at the eye test is like, oh, he's a danger to the team, and then he's like, oh, I got three points. You're like, how? How? Is it's so gonna... weird because he had like one bad game last night, and everybody just totally forgets this guy had like nine assists in like the last like, seven games. He's been the the absolute reason, and probably the one of the few reasons that the Kings have been scoring lately. It's, it's like I saw a tweet the other day, and maybe this I can't remember who it was, and maybe he didn't mean it in this manner. I may have just interpreted it wrong. But we're talking about Brock Faber, who's having a great season. It's like, man, what a great trade by for Minnesota. That trade's working out great for Minnesota. I'm like, do we know who Kevin Fiala is? Like, do we forget how good this? I mean, the, it is working for Minnesota, though. Like, it, it, it's not it, like it a is. better trade for Minnesota. Well, that maybe I, you know, maybe I, maybe I interpreted it wrong. But it's like, and I think I go back to this. What I said last week, everybody, there's a trade, and I think everybody wants a winner and a loser. How about both teams win? Like, I don't. None of us – the thing with Velarde was can he stay healthy enough? And then can he consistently be the scorer that he was for, you know, a lot of last year? You know, he's already had a bout of injury, and when he's been healthy, he's been a producer. I don't think we question his skill. I don't think we question his ability to produce. We question his ability to play – be healthy and play. So trades don't have to be – like one, one guy thinks the other guy swims. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think that's really a a, a, a way to look at a trade. Um, Kevin Saucer's making two good points here. One is the trade was a win for both, and the second mm-hmm. point is his mustache. Fantastic, love it. Full <laughs> respect, absolutely. Uh, where you were saying something though, and I now I when you mentioned oh with Dino, do you realize that at five on five, Dino's got like three more points than Dubois. Yeah, it's not like that it, much. It's it's not like so. I I I, I don't know. I just think he, he du, Dubois. But is Dubois thinking. Dubois has been there, man. He's your boy. He he's been in the pub. He's drinking pints with you. You're sharing <laughs> stories with him. And then like this is Dubois, the new guy that you're like, oh man, like my friend told me he's garbage. Like he's not he's not a good friend. You're like, oh no, give him a chance. Give him a chance. And yeah. He's coming there and he's you know walking out on tabs. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Like he's hasn't earned the uh, earned the the guy, you know, code respect, everything like that that you think that you would from the fan bases, you know. And like like Velarde's already doing that for Winnipeg. Like he's yeah. coming in and dominating. Yeah, and then and then when you're playing the Kings, 
four points or whatever. Like, so like the, the, the mindset here is like, like I get it. Like a point per game just to, to match his best season ever. Uh, We all thought that that would happen, but there's, there's a, there's a, there's a comment up here that I want to get to. PLD needs Victor Arvidsson type playmaker. AD needs to get the puck in the zone, blah, blah, blah. And and the line mates rebound a goal. Two top lines are clicking too much to mess with from NAV W21. So as your point there, Russ, and your point there, Joe, yeah. If he scores 45 points this year or whatever, disappointment for sure. If he takes over and because his line is better in the playoffs and we win a cup, nobody is going to say anything about anything because mm-hmm. you're 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 hosting Stanley above your head and you're having a, a full uh, gallon of beer drinking at the after party, right? So this is not about December. This is not about January. This is not about February. This is about May. Like the Kings need to make it out of the first round. If PLD is a big part of that because of the team at that point, everything else is forgiven. And I understand that he needs to produce more now, and we all agree with that. But we brought him in because you look at, like I said, you look at the third line without him. It's Rasmus Kupari, it's Grunstrom, <laughs> and, and Velarde. That is not a third line either. So you're, you're going to be wondering where the play is being driven. Velarde is going to be doing nothing because that line is not driving play. I'll, I'll so, say this. So I, I think the difference, the difference, Mike, because Deneau bring he, he brings a lot to the table, right? Because he's so good defensively. So I don't want to overlook that, right? You know, I mentioned his points are in five on five. There's only he's only got a few more than than Dubois, but he does bring such a strong defensive game, which is kind of why I think that's just more of a reason to be able to play him down where it's to Russ's point to swap them because if he goes down to the third line, he is going to be such a strong defensive presence there that it, it almost doesn't matter if he doesn't, um, you know, produce the way, you know, maybe he was before because he's got that defensive side of his game where Dubois, he is an offensive first player. So put him in an offensive first environment and that's, I just think, is a better fit for for both of them. That's if weird. you guys were to, if you guys were to guess right now, what is the time on ice difference between Dubois and Deneau? It's got to be like three minutes a game. Uh, probably not that. Uh, is, is it three? Three minutes a game even seems like a a lot. So I'd seventeen. Like- so seventeen seventeen for Deneau, and fifteen fifty five. Okay, for, so for almost for two minutes, a little under two minutes. So like a little over one minute. Right. I think so. The thing, the reason I want to switch it, I mean, the Kings don't really have like a quote unquote checking line. It feels like the fourth line is almost given this more of an opportunity to play a lot more shutdown minutes than I would you would expect a line like like Dano to be on. You would expect a Dano line to be the shutdown line, and it's almost looked out looked on right now to be a scoring line. Sure. Yeah, sure. And with the third line, with with it's kind of just the third line is just kind of there. Anytime you get an offensive zone base off, Dubois line is right over the boards. And that's and what the problem with that is they're not an offensive line. <laughs> so they're getting these opportunities, but they're not the players to be given that opportunity to. And that's why I was like, okay, if you're going to give those shutdown line minutes to uh, Dubois, like if you're going to give them those defensive zone faceoffs, that's, uh, maybe that's why McClellan is kind of reluctant to make that change because 
they give Deneau a lot of those defensive zone mm-hmm. face-offs as opposed to Dubois and and Deneau. But I think it's just more or less like Deneau can carry anybody. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Dubois should be doing the same. But, I mean, it's a little bit harder when you're carrying a rookie and Arthur Kaliev, who no disrespect to Arthur. I mean, those are two players that probably have the lowest shooting percentage on the team. That's but why I've... the loss of Victor Arvidsson just hurts immensely. It hurts not only on the power play, which I think hurts really bad there right now, but it also hurts because you, you're kind of expecting him to play with, whether it be Deneau or Dubois. And right now you have Alex Barriers, who's doing a, a decent job at it, but the expectations are still there for both of them to produce. I think there's a lot of things though that Joe was saying it's 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 not it's not a factor at all. But to me, faceoffs, right? If he was a better faceoff guy, he could get a lot more offensive zone faceoffs to get one timers to get set up plays and do those kind of things. I don't think he's relied upon in that asset. And and I don't want I was speaking for Joe and the fact that when the trade was made, and maybe he has a different opinion now. So Joe, like, is that a, as a coach? When you're trying to get an offensive zone play, get a line going. Like, is the faceoff a, a matter? Like, does that matter more to you? Like, do you want to get a win there? You know, and and, and con- contain the pressure in that zone. I always want to get a win, but I'm more concerned. Like, if there's there's times as as somebody that that runs the forward group, if I have an offensive zone faceoff, a lot of times, especially depending on the matchup, I'm going to try to put my best line out there. My, that best line doesn't always my best center though in terms of winning draws. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't, though. I just want them to be able to be on the ice and maybe a mismatch. And if they do win that draw in the offensive zone, like I I, I much more am concerned about faceoffs in the defensive zone. Um, so to that point, Russ, they could just as – they could still put Deneau out for the defensive zone faceoffs. It would just be with two different wingers. You know, I think they could just as easily do that. Um, so – I, 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 I don't suspect that they would make a change just because the team is winning and Deneau is doing fine, so there's no really reason to do it. But I still would like to see him with a with a better – better is a, a poor choice of words, but a, a more of a playmaking winger, somebody else that, that has that ability to him. And, and one more thing I want to get to, because I know there's a, a, a – just to, to, to maybe tie up the conversation about Velarde too – I don't think the Kings' win-loss record is any better if Gabe Velarde's on the team. Like, I genuinely think that the record is... I think it's probably worse. I, I, I don't know if it would be worse. worse. Like, I think people see the points he's putting up, and it's like, you know, again, I just... Uh, I don't think that it's it's any different just because who else... You have to figure out who the other center is that's playing that 3C. So... And I, and well, if, if their win loss was like two, if they had like two more wins, they'd be the best team in the NHL. That's right. It's not close there. They're like a point percentage behind Vegas and I think what uh, Vancouver. But but I, but I think I think this was a point made on the last podcast, and I will stand by it. Expectations has have risen. Oh, 100%. so so that means more more nitpicking, more small, mm-hmm. more of this type of stuff. As we talked about with the Dodgers. Dodgers are a World Series of bus team. So every single three-game losing streak or all this kind of stuff is going to be talked about at nauseum. And that's what we're doing now with the Kings because we demand better. And when the guy's making $8.5 you're demanding that. Uh, before we move on, Lieb coming in here with a four ninety nine. dollars Appreciate it, buddy. The Fiala trade is a hockey dictionary under win-win wow. trade. Both teams got exactly what they needed. Need the mustache to go for Fiala. Kevin Saucer coming in here. 
defending his mustache brother, saying mustache is staying leave. It's not a win win situation without it. And I would agree with Kevin. Uh, even though you put up the four ninety nine leave, I appreciate the donation. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, my man. But mustache is giving Fiala power. He that's what, I think that's where he's getting think, all those apples when you don't see them because of the mustache. <laughs> right. I think a lot of the hate with with Fiala, and I get it. Like there are times where like, oh man, like another offense is a face off. Like what are we doing here? I mean, I, I like I always just tell people like you just live and die by Fiala. That's just you you live with the offensive zone penalties because he's going to end up with two assists later on in the game. And a lot of it I feel like is is because we haven't really seen a player like Kevin Fiala on the Kings and feels like forever. This pure offensive dynamo that will just do highlight real stuff all game. I mean that pass that he made to Trevor Moore for that for that uh, snipe goal against San Jose. Unreal, unreal pass. No one on the team can make that pass besides besides Kevin Fiala. And I also feel like though that there are times that I've noticed this. Like I noticed that especially in the San Jose game and like some of the cracking or not the other cracking game, the first cracking game, but in the last cracking game, like he gets too comfortable. He gets to this point where he just feels like he can do whatever he wants on the ice, and it gets him in trouble a lot. Like you just see unnecessary sauce sauce passes across across the, the ice, uh, between the legs, like passes and moves and all this stuff. It's just like he just gets too comfortable, and that's when you start seeing the games that we had uh, uh, last time when they played against the loss against Seattle. So I just I it, it, I was talking with uh, Zach Dooley about this the practice, and he mentioned like it, it's, it feels like that McClellan has to like reel him a little in a little bit every now and then just to kind of get him focused. And then the next game, he'll just go crazy. And I was like, it makes total sense because you you, you kind of hear McClellan talk about Fiala afterwards in post games. It's like, oh, he's doing too much. The Globetrotter comment he's made. And then all of a sudden you see Kevin Fiala go on a spurt that he's been on recently. So I'm sure he knows it too. And hopefully he can just rein it in a little bit because I think he's been probably the King's best, one of the King's best forwards in terms of playmaking the last few games or so. I don't want him to. I don't want him to rein it in at all, and 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 my and my thought process is this, and we, and we have a player in the Niners that is is similar but in a different way, and that's Dre Greenlaw. Like he is, he constantly toes that line of too aggressive, not aggressive. But when you need to make a when you need to make a hit when it counts and send a message, he's that guy. If you need a guy to back your other team ups, he's that guy. So like when you're towing the line of too much and not too much constantly. Like, I know there's some negative, but then if you ask him to be a player that he's not, then he's not Kevin Fiala and he's not worth the money. Like, he's always going to be that guy. And I understand that it's like, okay, you know, that we're, you know, we're, a lot of people are talking about Trevor Zegers and tossing it over the, the goalpost for the one timers and those types of things. Yeah, you know, I, I get that. But Kevin Fiala is not Kevin Fiala without the extra stuff. And you paid him to be the offensive dynamo. And I, I'm all for it. Like, I, like, I understand. Like, you look at, like, the same thing with people said about uh, Sean Dersey. And right now he's over a half-point-per-game player defenseman playing 22 minutes a night for the Coyotes, right? So, like, you're going to get the offensive with the defensive stuff, you know? So, I just – it is what it is, in my opinion. And every time he makes a defensive lapse or it takes a penalty, I'm like, ah, just Kevin Fiala. You know, it's just it is what it is. It's like Manny being Manny for the Red Sox, you know? Like, yeah, he's not going to catch a fly ball, but he's going to hit 45 homers, you know? If other players started doing what he was doing – Ted McClellan's going to be like, okay, no, that is not you. But Kevin Fiala, you have to give him 
his space because he's going to do so much more positive than negative. You want him to be responsible. You want him to make sure he's doing the right things at the right time, which is when McClellan tries to try to rein him in. But you you want to, you, you know, rein it in at times, but you want to let him be who he is. Otherwise, why the hell did you trade for him? You yeah. know, so let him let him be him. Yeah, I love the the comments. I'm, I'm with you, Dave, when Dave O mentioned that the last player that the Kings had, like Fiala, was Palfi. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with that. Um, and then Real McCoy said, he's a peacock. You got to let him fly. Yes. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Just, just got to yeah. let him be who he is. Yes. And just hopefully the, the offense's own penalties kind of go down a little bit. Just don't, don't do too many of those. Well, speaking of, of people you got to let fa- fly is our sponsor here at DraftKings. So DraftKings, get your betting action in on the dry, on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. We got some betting lines coming in tomorrow. Even though your Kings aren't playing, you got plus and minus one and a half goals as always on the hockey ma- uh, on the hockey matchups. But the over under is really where it's at. Over and under six goals for the Stars and Predators. I'm smashing the over at Dallas. Has, they got a hot offense there. You got the Lightning Capitals over under six and a half. Maybe go under with the Capitals' lack of offense. And I think over under six and a half with the Red Wings Devils. That team just both teams just like to let it fly. So get in DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet on one team, bet on two teams, get a parlay going. You love it here at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbooks, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after insurance. So set your watch, set your alarm. Uh, don't hit snooze because you might lose out some extra money. So uh, check it out on DraftKings Sportsbook, code THPN. So let's kick it over to our next topic here because, you know, our donation swerved us into a whole different direction, uh, and I loved it. We talked for 45 minutes on a, on a great topic. But big save, Dave, getting it done, getting the call up. Obviously, Copley out on the long-term IR. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be a long time. So the guy that we brought in last minute has played some quality minutes for some teams, uh, gotten a nod a couple times in some key games. Uh, so big say Dave coming up rich, coming up huge, almost getting the shutty out in his first game up there. A little last minute lapse by the Kings. Shame on you. But let's talk about the long term consequences of, of Copley being out. Is there much of a drop off with Rich and, and how his first game? I'm giving you three topics, boys. Joe, want to start us off with one of those. Uh, I think the drop off is probably minimal. I mean, I, I don't think that's drastic. I, I, I can see them being kind of pretty comparable. I thought I thought Dave had a pretty strong first game against San Jose. Obviously, he wasn't really tested all that much, but he did have a couple of big saves. I, noteworthy, it was a big save in the first. I think a high, like a point blank chance in the second that I can remember. Yeah, he had a couple of big saves, um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I think that um, it's. It's probably similar. I, I think Copley's better, but I don't think it's drastic. It's it's funny that uh, hashtag goalies that we talked about so much in the offseason, right, Joe? I remember us talking about this going into the season and how the Kings were really leaning into it. Like this was like going to be the NHL experiment to see how this go, how this went. Mm-hmm. It's paying off. It's the best thing Blake's done. It's the best thing he's done. It's, I mean, I think out of all the moves he's done, the fact that he's been able to find out or find decent goaltending with the amount of money he's spending, 
has been the best move. Think about it. He's paying David Riddich, Cam Talbot, and Phoenix Copley $3.25 million this year combined. Jonas Corposalo is getting paid $4 million a year mm-hmm. for five years. Mm-hmm. The Ottawa Senators are like the second worst team in NHL. Insane. Goaltending, there's going to be there's going to be research done on this. There's going to be everybody's going to all these teams across the league are going to do deep dives on what can they do to improve their goaltending. And I think a lot of it's going to have to focus on just limiting the high danger chances and limiting yeah. slot chances. That's all it is. Yeah. You can go out and find decent goaltenders that as long as they can see the puck, as long as you're limiting all those high danger chances, they're going to make the saves that they're expected to make. Whether it's like, I mean, we we saw a little bit of that maybe last year that they weren't making the saves with Cal yep. Peterson and Jonathan Quick, and that's why you went out and made the move for Phoenix Copley, and that's why he started winning some of those games. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just hats off to the, to the performance or the, the, I guess, the option for Rob Blake to go out and just pay pay minimal for, for decent goaltending and have a better team in front of him, and it seems to be paying off. When you have the defensive a team committed to a defensive structure the way the Kings do, you know, Vegas is another one that's, that's, that's similar in that vein. Um, you can do that. You know, there's other teams that can't do that. I mean, you, I, I look here out in Western New York with Buffalo. Um, there's a lot of question marks about their goaltending coming into the season. I was not in on Levi starting the season as a coming in being an option. Comrie is no good. And Pekka Lukanen is very raw still talent-wise, but they opted not to go get a veteran type of goalie. But their environment is a lot different. Now, they've tried to be more defensive this year at the start. Of the this isn't the same run-and-gun Sabres that we've seen. But, like, so the environment, the reason I mentioned them is similar situation where highly question mark and goal, but the two environments are so drastically different to where – not every team can pull this off. So every team, you, you do have to be a little bit careful in how you go about it. But if you're a team like the Kings with the structure that they play with, um, it makes a whole lot of sense for them to, if there was ever a team that should test this out, it's the Kings. Um, so far, so good. Now the question becomes, you know, Copley's out for a while here. I, I don't know. If there's been well, it's the king, so no, there's been no timeline. He'll be he, honestly, I'd be surprised if he came back this season. Me too. Yeah, me, me, me too. That's kind of my thought too. So now the question becomes is, you know, you have no other option if there's if there's another injury, right? Because you know Portillo is is still just kind of finding his way. Ingham was just called. But, up but do you? Him. So you have Arv. So if Arvison doesn't make it back. And Copley doesn't make it back. That's what five million. Like you could, well, I mean, get, you could get well, a I mean for a goalie at that point. I mean, on, internally. Okay. I mean, internally. So yeah, then then the conversation becomes, okay, what options are there exter- externally to give us that? And then what do they do? Do they go for somebody that can be a a share with Talbot? Do they go with somebody that's just going to be kind of a backup to Talbot that pushes Riddich back to to Ontario? Or somebody along that Riddich and Copley vein, where either of them could be the backup, either of them could be in Ontario, and I think. That's... Or do they go with? Do they go with a, a household name? I, you know, that, if, that... Talbot, if Talbot's playing like this, I, I, I don't know if they will or not. Now, 
the deadline is still, you know, a couple months away here. So a lot of hockey for Talbot to play. And unfortunately, that's kind of an unfortunate. There's a lot of hockey for Talbot to play because I don't know that they'll, I guess we'll see. I don't know if they would play Riddich as much as they were willing to maybe play Copley because Copley of what he did last year. Like, I, I don't know if Riddich will see the same amount of times or if it'll be strictly back-to-back situations, which means that's a lot of hockey for Talbot, which is not what we wanted to see. Um, so, you know, similarly, Russ, you mentioned with Dubois, like you just want the playoffs to get here because that's when the rubber is going to hit the road. I'm a hashtag goalies as much as anybody, but playoffs is where it's going to hit the road. If the Kings run into Edmonton again and it's Connor McDavid against Cam Talbot, if we're being honest, that's not a great matchup. <laughs> but I mean, one thing I'll one thing I will say about Talbot and and a lot of it we we talk we talked a lot about the Kings' defensive structure, and I believe they're one of the best teams in limiting a lot of those high danger chances. Mm-hmm. But on the penalty kill, I think that you're that's where you're really getting your money's worth with Talbot. Yep, and uh, or even just the Kings goaltending just all together. I mean, you look yep. at the penalty kill and just how successful it's been. Uh, they're they're actually giving up the same amount of high danger chances this year that they were last We've year on the PK. About that. Yeah, they're on the PK. Yeah, yeah. But their goaltending, I believe, is actually they have a hundred percent save percentage in high danger chances. Goaltend with all the goaltenders, insane. Yep. And so you have to really give your credit to them on in that situation because. You, you, you wonder, like, we talked a lot about the penalty kill over the, the summer, and McClellan talked about it. I actually asked him about it today. And because I remember he talked, he said that was going to be the summer project, is them mm-hmm. talking about what are they going to do to improve the penalty kill. And while, while it's definitely improved, I mean, in terms of percentage-wise, they're still giving up those same amount of chances. But the goaltenders are making the saves. That's what's so – that's a, it feels so weird. It's just – it's weird, right? <clears throat> We've talked about this. This is this, we, yeah. You're 100 percent right. Like the this the save percentage, or excuse me, the the, the high danger chances, the expected goals against, and I know those may not be perfect metrics when yeah. it comes to special teams, but for what we have publicly, it's very similar to last year. We're Thirty games in, it's a pretty. Decent sample size. So the difference is last year the Kings had one of the, if not the worst, bottom two or three in save percentage on the penalty kill. And as you've just alluded to, they have the number one penalty kill save percentage in the National Hockey League. And you are right, Russ. A hundred percent high danger chance. 40, 40 total. All of them denied. Uh, so, I mean. I don't know. I, it's kind of like the home lot, like home road record. I, I have no answer or no. Well, that, that brings us that. to Leap's question. Are you guys going to talk about yeah the home road split? So let's kind of tie that in here. Like the, obviously, the we've been talking about the goalies, talking about the home road split. Is are we getting different kings from home and the road? Is is there a reason for that? Is, Ready? Ready? What? Yeah, go there ahead. Go. Us, Joe. Throw it in. Corsi percentage second in the NHL at home. At home, where the Kings are not as good as on the road. Third in expected goals. Fifth in scoring chances. Fourth in high danger chances. 25th in shooting percentage. 31st in save percentage. Those are five-on-five numbers at at home. That's On the road, road, they're top five in those other categories. They're even first in a couple of them. So they're playing, I guess you could say, slightly better on the road. But it's not as if they're bad at home. They're playing very well at home. Shooting percentage goes from 25th to 11th. Guess what the save percentage is on ho- at, at on the road at 5-on-5? Five five? Third. First. 
Sometimes it's that simple, guys. So they're so they're a bottom two team in save percentage at home, and they're a top team on the road. Correct. Figure that one out. Meanwhile, your your smile on this little one inch screen is is nauseating because you're like you were waiting for that question. Like you had you had it ready to go. I was waiting for it. But I mean, it's so like like that's why I say it. it's just it's fluky. Weird. It's fluky. It's it's really weird. Like it's it, that's why it's gonna get back to the mean, right? It has to. Yes, there will be a point where the Kings go on a stretch, and I don't know exactly what the rest of the schedule or whatever, but like they'll go. I don't know, three and five over three and six over nine games on the road. And they're going to go seven and two on a home stretch over nine home games. That, that's going to happen at some point this season. It's just like, it's fluky. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it's fluky. I mean, you look at, look at some of the performances too, from some of the goaltenders like Decord last night, pretty yes. decent performance. Uh, Lindgren against the Capitals. I mean, mm-hmm. insane. I, I remember that, that game against the Capitals. I had the the head goalie scout for the Tampa Bay Lightning sitting in front of me. I sit on the second row of the press box. And he was sitting in front of me. And some of these saves Lindgren was making in that game, I just looked down and this guy was just shaking his head like, what is happening? Because it was so, like, fluky and, and just the way he was making the saves just didn't seem like, I don't know, just no system to it at all. And But he was just stopping pucks and – like when in last night's game, when it ended like 21 shots to five or six or whatever it was, I was like, this game's over. The Kings are not going to win this game. It's just one of those games where they're getting all these shots and they're just not able to solve the goaltender. And sure enough, that's ended, what ended up happening. And then also the power play. I think the power play has been a big issue lately for the Kings. And it definitely came for – actually, it's kind of weird to say lately because they they went on a streak of like six straight games scoring. But – Last night, I felt like it was real, real issue to which caused them to lose. But yeah, the home record is just strange. Expected goals. That, let's go. Let's, let's ask this question here, and and please, like, phonetically, put your name in the in the chat so I don't keep butchering this. But Tagini Alexanian, come in and say, hey, while the new diamond PK is a much better formation, in my opinion, I still want more aggressiveness. The Kings are playing too passive on the PK and waiting for the game to come to them. I don't know how effective that would be versus Edmonton. So do you, Joe, as, as a coach, do you think that the, there's a, the formation that they're playing now with one guy on top, is that better than a box formation? Is it more effective with the personnel that we have? Or do you think it this solely comes down to being 100% on save percentage? Well, so many teams these days run the 1-3-1. One, one, and I th- you, you, she, I, actually I say he or she, I, I don't know, apologies, but it mentions Edmonton specifically. Last year, you know, because with Edmonton, you, the, the focus is always so much on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But I think just when the Kings maybe started to do that and maybe play a little bit more lower, you had Evan Bouchard walk in and just wire shots from the top, and that burned L.A. So Edmonton's going to create a, a, an interesting dynamic for them just because of how good Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are that they're going to create a problem for probably almost any penalty kill. But I do see and sense that there's a lot of times where the down low guy on the opposing team's power play has a little bit more space to kind of just walk in toward the front of the net just because of the way the system is for the Kings. So, um, yeah, I, I think 
I'd like to see it be a bit more aggressive as well, to be honest with you, and put a little bit more pressure on the power plays that can open yourselves up that very much so. And I think we Puck moves about, faster than your eyes and, and your feet. So, yeah, and we, we, we talk about with some of the players that are on the kill, it may not make sense, right? Like Gavrikov isn't there to be a quick guy. He's there because of how long he is. Right. So his his attribute isn't quickness and being aggressive. You know, Trevor Lewis is not that quick. Um, I don't think you want him being over aggressive. I think you want him being kind of re, his his strength is his brain is Trevor Lewis. Um, so I don't think it may be as a fit for the Kings and with with how they run. And occasionally, if England's on the power play again, he's not going to be there for any sort of quickness. So it's going to be for his reach. So, Joe, I want to ask you this because you're you're tickling my brain here. You know, you're you're uh, firing the synapses here. And as a coach, is PK composition with players personnel as much of importance as power play composition with players? I think so, um, because you have to have guys that understand it. I mean, there's there's guys. So it's hard because obviously the level that I coach is way different than the NHL clearly. So, but, but there's guys and they know what they're doing. So there's guys that like speaking personally that, that you would think you can play on the penalty kill in certain spots, but for whatever reason, you know, they're just not, it doesn't click for them. They can't think they can't process that. Now, obviously in the NHL, it's a little bit different. These guys, a lot of these guys can probably all of these guys. That's why you see like a guy like Andre Kopitar. He's so good, not because of his quickness and his aggressiveness, but because of his brain. You know, I think that's probably why Trevor Lewis is killing penalties. It's not because of his physical attributes or his quickness. It's because of his brain um, that, that has him being capable. Um, so yes, I think you have to have a player that can, that can anticipate, that can read plays, that can think and, and, and can understand switches because you know, a lot of times you're going to, you're going to, your penalty kill could be dictated by the other team's power play, right? And the system that they're running, you're going to try to combat that with a system that you think works best against that. So if it's a one, three, one, what are you going to run against that one, three, one that, that may work best? And what, whether that's a diamond, whether that's a triangle and one, whatever that might be, that's going to be the personnel that you have may fit one of those a little bit differently. So to your point, Brandon, like you can't just put out your biggest guys on the penalty kill and say, go swing your sticks around and block off passing lanes. Like you, you have to be able to move. You have to be able to anticipate. You have to be able to think uh, as well. So, yeah, I, I think having the, the right guys is important. Yeah. Leap coming in here. Responsible guys too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Russ. No, you're coming here with another 499. Uh, appreciate it. Leap. Kings home Thanks, PDO is 96.4. King's Road PDO is 103.1. Overall PDO is 99. This is all five on five. Joe, I know you're the stat man. Uh, people that weren't here on that podcast, uh, one, shame on you. Always can go listen back on our podcast. Two, Joe, what, what is PDO and just for the for the listeners tonight? It is a very quick look at luck. It's not perfect. It, literally all it does is add up save percentage and shooting percentage, So it, it, it which are two – Totally different, have nothing to do with each other metrics, but it's just kind of putting them together. So if you're getting all the saves and you're getting and you're scoring all the goals, your PDO is going to rise. Generally speaking, the average PDO is 100. So the Kings, 
you know, you see them at 100 at, or 99.9 to be exact at five on five. That means they're performing, you know, pretty overall, pretty as expected at five on five, not lucky, not unlucky, just as, as expected. Whereas it looks like, as I alluded to earlier at home, they're getting very few saves, you know, relatively speaking, um, and they're not scoring nearly as often uh, as they are on the road. And on the road, luck be a lady tonight. All right. So, so Russ, let's, let's shift it back here to the goalies going forward. Obviously, actually, you know, I want to bring up this, this topic and we, we haven't had Kyle on uh, this, this month and we, we need to do that. I think a big implement here is we traded a third round pick for Patillo. Now he's going to get a lot more action in, in the AHL. Uh, he might not be uh a staple on this team next year, but he might get some call-ups here based on injury, but this is kind of speeding up his, his process here. And with the goal and with the Kings going with that kind of lower end uh, salary wise approach, this might benefit the Kings long-term with Portillo getting more action. I don't know. I think it's hard to say. I think it'll benefit him in terms of getting more opportunity right now. He started back-to-back games the last two games for the rain on back-to-back nights. So he's definitely going to get a lot more looks. Maybe that helps him. He's been playing really well, uh, so that doesn't hurt either. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, <clears throat> we, we kind of expected him to need a, a maybe a, at least like maybe two or three years in the AHL. I mean, the way that the Kings defensively are playing and a lot of the metrics that we've mentioned already – I wouldn't be surprised if they give him a look starting maybe next year as like a backup option or just kind of like a spot starter here and there. Just, I mean, just the, based off the way that Rob Blake's kind of building this team, you don't have a goaltender signed uh, next year in terms of, bes- I mean, besides Portillo, you don't have a goaltender signed next year. So we have no idea. It's like, don't go buy your Cam Talbot jerseys. I don't know if you're going <laughs> to around any much longer. But so, yeah, that's why I, I feel like, I don't know if they really want Portillo to be getting as many looks as he's been. He will be getting probably going forward. And I, Dave O's mentioning Jacob Ingham, and I, I, I agree. Yeah, like I, I love the story with Ingham. I had the chance to talk to him in the faceoff and watch his game there. He put, performed really well. It's good to see that he's getting the opportunity because he's been playing really well in the ECHL with the Swamp Rabbits. I believe he led the league in wins. So it's good to see him kind of fight back after back surgery last year. So. Still waiting we'll for my what jersey. What happens there? What was that? I said, still waiting for my jersey, by the way. Just, <laughs> just saying, Swamp Rabbit's like, let's get on that, please. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what um what happens if the if Rob Blake's kind of looking for another goaltending option or if he wants to ride Ingham. But if he does look externally, I feel like it'll be a gold goalie that can start in the AHL for now. And if needed. If something happens, can get called on uh, to have a couple NHL games. But for now, I think it's just going to be Riddick and uh, Talbot to ride the way for for some time. I think it'll just be Riddick will just slide right into what Copley was doing uh, before his injury. I know that QB play in the NFL is not the same as goalie play, but getting a maximum value out of a rookie contract in the NFL is like all the rage right now, right? So, like, is if Portillo does become salvageable at a, on, a, on an NHL level next year, maybe 20 starts or whatever, or even the year after that is able to take uh, a 50-50 sh- uh, share 
that's huge for the Kings, mm-hmm. a team that's very top heavy with the salary right now um, and getting production from Quentin Byfield. That's not going to last, right? He's going to get a contract that's high end. So that the, the money has going to move around. But as you pay top line players, you have to get production from uh, from people making you know league minimum or one or two million dollars. So this is going to be something for the Kings to keep an eye on. Uh, fans keep an eye on. I'm not saying that he's going to be the savior of the Kings or anything like that, or or you know lead them to a Stanley Cup. I'm just saying you got to get production out of players not making very much money. Uh, you got to get value out of those contracts in order to be a consistent Cup winner. And Portillo might be one of those players next year or the year after. So um, where just like the Kings are getting that kind of production from their NHL goalies this year, where they're not getting the production from Dubois and his 8.5 million. They're making up for it in Cam Talbot's $1 million production. There you go. Russ. 400. How about, how about that? Let's combine. Let's, let's have that conversation. Eight, 800 million or 800% production. Quota. Rob Blake is paying Cam Talbot and PLD $9.5 million combined. <laughs> and they're off to the best start in franchise history. So let's get obviously this this episode's called Pacific Onslaught. So let's get into the Pacific Division. Obviously, we've been playing a couple games against them, and we got I think five more games against Pacific Division coming up. Right now, if you're looking at points percentage, Vancouver at 691, Golden Knights 691, we're at 690. So pretty much tied uh, with uh, points percentage. We are seven actual points behind with uh, five games in hand. So Joe. You know, you, you watch pretty much every single game on, on the docket here. Um, where where do we think this team stacks up against the rest of the Pacific Division? How do you think this and how important is the rest of the schedule? And then, you know, we, we spoke about injuries last podcast. We're getting a big key back in Gavrikov uh, here pretty soon, skating. Um, you know, we didn't really get much of a drop off in Rivara, in my opinion. So, Kind of take what the, take that amoeba question as you will. Like, where does this team stack up against the rest of the division? How much is the influx of Gavrikov going to help? I guess first let's let's touch on that last um, that last comment with Gavrikov because he's he's been out. But Russ, I want to kick it to you for a second. You were at practice today, uh, and you tweeted out that he's back. Are we to assume that is he a go tomorrow? He was in a regular jersey. It's it's weird because you kind of. The way he was practicing, it certainly looked like he was. He was practicing with Matt Roy. Jake Morvarari wasn't practicing. It was only Tobias Bernhardt. Morvarari was watching from the sidelines. Um, but McClellan's comments afterwards said he, he needed to talk to the training staff and talk to Gavrikov and see where he's at. And but and then that last sentence where he mentioned like well, if he had to rest and have an extra three days off, that's not going to hurt. I think a lot of Kings fans would kind of get behind that. And maybe myself included. Like, if you have this three-day break, especially with the holidays coming up, it's not like you have to really rush Gavrikov out there in a, in, in a game that doesn't – it's not even close to being, like, must-win or anything mm-hmm. like that. And with everything that's gone on, like, in terms of injuries the last few years with the Kings where it feels like they kind of – like, I, I, don't, I don't think this is happening, but it certainly feels like they're kind of rushing players back a little bit. I mean, you almost kind of – hope that they're not doing the same thing with Gavrikov. I mean, I, I don't know. It's It feels like the way I was watching him in practice, it certainly looked like he'd, he'd be ready to go. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I mean, from the way he looked in practice and him getting all the rushes with Matt Roy and no more Rara, 
I would expect he'd be in tomorrow night. So hopefully he's okay. 100%. Hold the 92. Oops. Coming in here saying, I can't get behind that. I don't want this to turn into a situation with Kevin Fiala last year mm-hmm. uh, coming back too soon. Joe, do you think, I mean, the Kings can wait one more game, right? Like, I mean, this is not a do or die situation. It's not the end of the season. Like, it. how do you feel about the timetable? Yeah, I mean, this is sitting here in the chair that I'm in. It's tough to say just because I, I don't know the actual extent of the injury. But, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind erring on the side of, you know, game in April is going to be way more important than December 23rd. So if there's any risk whatsoever, I got no problem sitting him down. I think Mulverari has been fine. You know, I, I don't think the King, I don't think the team is suffering because of it. I don't think if Gavrikov was in, they win a game that they lost or anything like that, in my opinion. So for one more game, I have no problem if they were like, okay, let's just not, not push this. But again, I, I don't know. Maybe the training staff's like, yeah, dude's a hundred percent. He's ready to go. Then if that's the case, he, play him. I mean, their story, he's been skating. So they could be that he – maybe he was good to go after the the Rangers game. Maybe they just took him out and said, all right, dude, let's just rest you. Maybe the next day he was he felt he was fine, but they just still sure. gave him a few games off. And yeah, so maybe they already did the resting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we don't know. But it's just like since this is the first time we didn't even see him in a red jersey. That's the thing that kind of caught mm-hmm. me off guard. So I'm like, oh. Crap, that's him in a black jersey. So hopefully he got the allotted time of to heal whatever he was dealing with and be back 100%. Because at this point, I would be surprised if he's not in the lineup. I'll just say that. I would expect him to be in the lineup tomorrow night by the way they were practicing today. If he comes in, Gavrikov's locker room presence can't be understated. He's valuable to the team on and off the ice. Yes, he is definitely much a, a glue that uh, we didn't really expect – here at Hockey Royalty, and, he, and he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, on, yeah, that's on definitely that something that didn't come up on the the analytics was his his, his presence <laughs> in the locker room and his his, his dance moves too. I'd I'd say you know Moverari Randon, you had mentioned his name in there. It's only four games, but I, I don't think you could ask for much better when you look at you know his possessions at fifty six percent, expected goals is at sixty six, seventy six. In high danger chances, he's been on the ice for ten and only been on the ice for three against. So again, it's four games, not exactly the biggest sample. But if you're asking him to step up in a short stint and play top four minutes, no less, I think he's done fine. And this is what we were saying in the off season, like you know, not, this not, is what nothing we were saying England. All- yeah. This is what we were saying all last year when they kept trotting out Alex Adler out there for whatever reason. It made no sense. Jacob Morvarari is perfect. It's exactly yeah. what you want. And McClellan said it best. He's just like we've been saying with Jared Anderson, he's the perfect 13th forward. Jacob Morvarari is the perfect 6th, 7th defenseman on a team, on a good team, a really good team. There's a reason why they went with him and not Bjornfoot. Yeah, 100%. Morvarari is like, he's like, Tuna, everyone calls it like they call him Tuna. I like to think of him as like the big fundamental, like Tim Duncan. He just does everything so so right. He's not going to do anything too flashy. He's not going to do anything that's going to hurt you. He's yeah. going to make the right pass. He's going to make the right defensive play. He's going to carry on yep. with his game. Give you 15 minutes of that every night. Russ is not saying that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm or is that. he? Or is he? <laughs> I might be saying that. Marty McFly three 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 is saying, "Howdy, boys." <laughs> Don't worry, I'll turn our home record around, right round, then put it first place. Here we go, Mikey. 
appreciate that. You know, get that juju going. We'll get I to think the first that's place. Mikey, but... uh, I think that's the arena host, Mikey. I could be wrong there. Marty McFly, you have to correct me, but yeah. so it could be him. Randon, so, you, you asked about the Pacific Division, right? Where, where, yeah, let's where get that. the Kings, I, I think, you know, the Kings are there five games in hand, seven points back of both Vancouver and Vegas, but five games in hand. I think they're, I think this is going to be an absolute war for the that first place in the division because I think all three of these teams, like for for folks, Vancouver isn't going anywhere. Okay. Like even, they've banked so many points, and this isn't a team that is built on luck. I, I, I see that way too often. Um there, it was uh, it was though in our last conversation in the Pacific. So how has that changed it, for you? It was not though. It like it was they were aided by luck, but they were also a good team. Like this is also a team that is is exceeding and has exceeded my expectations. Like I did not think this team, in part because we always kind of joke about like what the hell are they doing? Are they what are mm-hmm. what is Vancouver? But it's clicked, and I think it's for real when you have a great goalie and he's healthy. And he's playing well. And your stars are producing. Pedersen's a star. He's producing. Quinn Hughes is a star. He's producing. Philip Ronick has been way better than I would have expected. The Zadorov trade is going to help them. Like, this is a team that's not going anywhere, barring any injury situations that come up. So, and if I can find it, I will I will bring it up and I'll mention it. on. I, I, had, I saw something on Twitter earlier that was talking about the stats and the expected goals and the scoring chances that they allow. They don't give much up. So this is not solely based on luck. I know their PDO is elevated, but th- that's why I don't think that's a perfect stat. I think it's a quick, it's a good thing to look really quick and say, oh, well, they got a high save percentage and a high shooting percentage. Well, they have a great goalie, so it's not that lucky that they have a high save percentage. Well, you have a high shooting percentage. Well, Lash Pedersen and Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser can score. He's a shooter who can mm-hmm. score. Like so, I don't know. Like, I is it going to be that high? No, but like, Van, bottom line is Vancouver's not going anywhere. Okay, so I don't think the, they should be overlooked. But I think the Kings are right there, Randon. I think L.A. I think Vancouver. I think Vegas is going to be a fight for a while here just because the Kings have so much ground to catch up with. Um, and they've banked so many points that it's, it, it, this can be a battle for first, but the Kings can win it. Kings can absolutely win the division. They're Which right makes first place more important. Mm-hmm. Well, because then you're not playing another juggernaut. I mean, you're not playing another. Well, you don't want to play Edmonton either. And, and oh, yeah. did Edmonton get the wild card. I think I think the Pacific winner will have the highest points in the Western Conference. True, that's probably true. I feel like that's going to happen. Colorado is kind of dealing with things. Winnipeg, we'll see how much longer they can keep this up. Um, I feel like Winnipeg is kind of like the Vancouver or the Central. Uh, I think that's a very good shout. I was actually thinking like they're they're they I, I put them very similar. Well, yeah. the thing with Vancouver, a lot of people talk about is like. I don't think they're overperforming expectations. I think they're they've been underperforming expectations the last few years. Like they haven't lived up to what a lot of people expected them to be with Elias. When you have players like Pedersen, yeah. Besser, Miller, uh, Hughes, I mean, this is just a really good team that just never could figure it out. And now it seems like they just figured it out. Um, one thing I will say, I don't, I still don't know why they re-signed Kuzmenko, and now he's been a healthy scratch and. 
that never made sense. They should have traded him last year at the deadline. That would, they would have brought in a haul. But either way, I still feel like it'll be those three teams. I mean, it'll be the Kings, the Golden Knights, and the Canucks at the end of the end of the year around the top. I, I just wish that the schedule makers could figure out a way where you could play all your divisional opponents at least once prior to January 1 and then at least once after January 1 as opposed to us playing the Kings playing all their their first game against Vancouver is until February 29th. It makes yeah. no sense that that's that's how long we have to wait to see the well, then that'll be top games. notch suspension. Well, that's what they're that's what they're gearing anyway. towards. Because the, they know what they're doing. It's L A I. They're it's all AI there, Russ. <laughs> Edmonton, this the scary part about it is is Edmonton, I still expect to make playoffs. I expect them to make the yeah. wild card. So we could be looking at another LA Edmonton first round. Marty McFly coming back with you, Russ, here. Yes, sir. Russ, you are correct. We What's will up, win tomorrow at the crypt. Bring that Hollage energy. Yeah, buddy. Can't wait. Yeah, get that, been, been kind of been kind of loving the environment of the Kings games. It's just the, the crypt has been, been less dead. The crypt <laughs> yeah. has been less they've dead. Been that That's the only problem. The the fans have been in there. They've been been hyped up. The energy's been there. It's just the goals really haven't been there. I'm glad I was able to watch that Blues game as a fan. Feels like the only home game. So I'm glad I got yeah. to experience that. Good thing I'm Hopefully seeing the Kings on the road. You know, huh? so I'm seeing the Kings on the road when they're playing in Dallas. And yeah, there you what, go, lucky guy. So there yeah. we go. So I think let's 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 end this podcast on looking forward to the Pacific Division. Obviously, these next couple games, you know, means a lot. Is there going to be a change in the lines? What do you think the Kings have to do to come out on top? What are your expectations? Maybe with up, like I think it's what five more games, so ten points ready to go. Open-ended question here. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to uh, to Joe here to start. Like, what is your expectations? Where where do you think this team is going, and how how are the Kings going to enter the new year? Well, I'm really excited about the the 28th and 30th against Vegas and Edmonton. Right, those are going to be big. Not to overlook Calgary and San Jose. I mean, Calgary's knocking on the door of the playoffs. San Jose, that shouldn't be a game, but you never know. It is the NHL, um, but the Vegas and Edmonton games, I don't like to put so much stock into one individual game. Like people like to say, well, this is a, this is a good test for this. You know, the situation a lot of times in the schedule, a lot of times is going to dictate these things. Like the whole, and I don't think the Kings are afraid to play the Rangers because they got beat up on a fourth and six nights. And I don't think the Colorado Avalanche are afraid of the Kings because they got beat up on a fourth and six nights on a back-to-back. So I, I don't like to put so much into this as a test or whatever, but, you know, they haven't seen Edmonton yet this year. And for a team that has been eliminated the first two last two years in the first round by Edmonton and they, if you want to get over that hump, and I know right now they're on the outside looking in, but but they won again tonight, that I think Edmonton's going to be a team that that nobody's going to want to play come playoff time, and I think they're going to be there as a wild card, and the Kings are going to have to – if you're going to probably have to go through them at some point. Um, so I, I'm really just excited about those two games, but I think the Kings – I don't think we could be any happier with how this first part of the season has gone. Um, I mean, like you said, with points percentage, we're right there. I think the Kings are, are very much in the thick of it in terms of winning the Pacific division. And I think, um, 
you know, regardless of what happens over this next few days here, uh, you know, next week or so before the new year, I think they should be right there in that thick of it after that. Russ, what are your expectations? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this game tomorrow night's got a little bit more importance to it, especially with it being at home, how they played in the last game. I mean, just how they play overall, I guess, at home. Uh, And then you have the break coming up. If they kind of put out another clunker or the offense just kind of dries up, continue to dries up, I, I would expect McClellan to kind of tinker things up a little bit after the holiday break because, I mean, after that, you have San Jose at home, which should be a win, but that's a back-to-back, and the next game after that is in Vegas. So after Vegas, you have Edmonton at home and Toronto right after that. So you have some pretty tough games coming up for the Kings. And, and yeah, like some of these some of the games, like the games against San Jose and, like, the ones against Montreal, like teams that they were expected to beat, they've, they've been beating those teams pretty handily. But that's why we kind of look forward to these these highlight games against Edmonton and, and Vegas and all that. Well, in, in Calgary, they've won three straight. They've got points in five straight. And they – Get out of here with the Calgary. I'm just saying. And they've given up two goals or less in the last four games. So this is – Well, they just know. played the Ducks. So, I mean – so, so, so your pocketbook is a little bit thicker going into the holidays. So, funny story: the one time I bet against the freaking Calgary Flames, <laughs> they lost to Florida. <laughs> I don't know why, but but they Joe's, beat, Joe's they, beat, they beat Florida. The one time I bet against the Flames, they beat Florida. I'm like oh, Joe's like uh, failures in terms of betting with the Flames just make me laugh. <laughs> I bring me joy for some reason. It, it, it I, should, Joe's it losing money, and I'm over here laughing at him. I feel bad. It should That's be a poster. Bad. It should be a poster for uh, gambling. I think it's just more or less because he, he's just banking a lot of it on the flames. And I, I've always, you know, I've always been against the flames and how well, how, how a lot of people just kind of blew them out of proportions a little bit in their expectations. But I think they've been a better, better team. Well, it's funny about the, the whole thing with the flames love started a few years ago when they were kind of middling for the, uh, like half first half of the season, but I was always like, man, I was in on them. Like, like looking again, looking at their their numbers. Lieb, I don't like teams. I like construction of teams and numbers. So I love what Calgary was doing, and at the time, so I was like, I'm putting it. I'm I'm gonna. I continue to bet them. I continue to. I'm, I put a future on them. It was like January. Was like, I'm gonna bet them to win the division. And the second half, all that they weren't getting that puck luck. It all came the second half because they were dominating games and they won the division. And then they, you know, they had, uh, they won the first playoff round, I think it was, and then they lost to Edmonton or whatever. So, you know, they, they had a good run. So then the next year they lose all those guys, but it was like, they were still dominating games. <laughs> they just couldn't score. It was like, blah, blah, blah. And then it all crumbled on me. But like, it all started because looking at their underlying numbers, it's like, this team is going to perform. And then they did. Um, and then they, they were the 2012 Kings without any of the success behind it, right? Correct. I think we talked. I think yes. you mentioned that. Yes. It, it, I don't know. That Huberto contract's looking rough. Well, yeah, that's obviously pretty rough. I, but there's, I don't think anybody expects this drastic of a of a. No, no, no. Like no, this, act, this actually kind of sucks. Like I love Huberto, the player. Like I didn't think a hundred point guy, but to go from what he was to what he is, is actually kind of sad. Like I. 
it sucks to see because he was he was an exciting player. He's a fun player. This sucks. Man, I, I wonder know. if they kind of like have been looking at trading him. See, like I don't even know how you could trade that contract, but man, it's looking rough. Another thing yeah. it's kind of kind of funny just came to my mind that Kings are playing Edmonton. The first look at Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And after what happened in the playoffs last year, the first game against Edmonton, and there's no Jay Woodcroft. They have a totally different coach. It's, yep. It's pretty, yep. pretty funny. Well, Russ, as long as, you don't, as long as you don't ask uh, Connor McDavid about his opinion on Quentin Byfield and how he's a good young player and all that kind of stuff like that, then, then I'm gonna, I think we'll be fine. I'm going to go after the game. I'm going to go, so, Connor McDavid, how has it been? There's been a lot of comparisons of Quentin Byfield to Wayne Gretzky. Like, what do you think about Byfield? <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking. To- yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's like it's like uh, the, the other the other guy is like, oh, like what do you think about Connor Bedardsky? And he's like, for the thousandth time, like, like you're not original with this question. Uh, he's a good young player, and I've only pl- seen him once, and I never talked to him. Like 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 he just so like every single. And I wonder if this was the same way with Gretzky, but it's like every single young center to ever come into the league after yeah. him, and it's like he's just yeah. getting questions about it. I understand he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, so, you know, coming in this league and all this kind of stuff, but it's got to be frustrating. Like, the, as, a reporter, like how, as a reporter, are you like really think this is a genuine question? Is this really something that's going to spice up your article or your commentary? Like, I just, I think he worded it wrong. I think he, because Wayne Gretzky actually said that he really likes watching Jack, Jack Hughes. I think Gretzky said it reminded him of, of him a lot yes but the guy the way that that guy worded the question was com- actually comparing the two in, in terms of yeah. how they are as a player which that's where it's like okay that's where it's funny but I'm well, sure the way he, the way he worded the question and the type of uh journalist he is was kind of subpar i don't know who asked the question i don't know, I don't know. I don't know but it just it was it was funny it was just, i did hear the question but... yeah it was, it was pretty funny but, mcdavid's face was actually pretty funny no the mcdavid's expression the question was the funniest part because you can t- you can tell just that little tiny eyebrow move that he made just kind of like all right Wait, are you sure where, about where that? is this going you sure about that bro and i i don't know i can imagine they, 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 it's kind of like the same way like the crosby ovechkin rivalry was kind of like fabricated even though the two never really hated each other although they kind of later on down the line Beyond they, were ice they, they were they were pretty after for a while it seemed yeah. anyways, but they, yeah. they played each other in playoffs quite a bit too. That's, that's just going to happen. Yeah. That that's where it started kind of growing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of our fans like the, the bar style debates that we got going on. One more question for you guys, and then we'll get out here for the holiday season. There was an interesting statement made on, and I'll give them credit barstool uh, sports with uh, spinning chiclets that Austin Matthews is on pace, a better pace than Ovechkin. He's not a physical player like Ovechkin. So maybe his play, will last longer. I mean, I don't know how much longer do you need Ovechkin's play to last. He's He's got gray hair. Do you think that he has a better chance at breaking Gretzky's record than than Alex, especially with Alex having lockouts and all this kind of stuff like that uh, during his career? I don't know. It's a good question. I feel like Ovechkin had a weapon that no one else had. And Matthews, well, he's a great player. I don't think he has that like one like Ovechkin was just automatic from the circle on the power play and they'd give him two minutes every minute of the power play he's out there and just nobody could stop it everybody knew it was coming he'd sit at that circle and one time all day and nobody could stop it 
I think with Matthews, I think there's a little bit more in terms of creativity to his game that he has to create. Uh, the goal scoring opportunity. He's also playing with some really good players in Martyr and Tavares and all that. So it'd be interesting. Still too early to have that conversation, but I like where it's heading. I wouldn't say he's a better chance just because Ovechkin's right there. <laughs> it's like Ovechkin's like as close as anyone. Yeah, he might be trying to catch Ovechkin, right? But like put a pin in this because Matthews is a real conversation for this record, whether it's Ovechkin or Gretzky. Um, Matthews will be making a run at it at some point. Absolutely. I, I, I think, I think there's a lot to that. I like it. I like it a lot. So let's, let's, uh, let's end it here. Uh, so appreciate you guys coming in. We were strong. Thank you for coming in the chat. Thank you for your super chats. Uh, we appreciate all the, the donations here. You know, I know that we're heading into a new era of hockey royalty. So we appreciate you guys and sticking with us, uh, in that. Uh, as the uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, new hockey royalty shirts are out. The Trevor Moore shirt has been out for a couple of weeks. Get your Trevor Moore shirt now. Sizes small through extra large. Thirty dollars orders. Contact at hockeyroyalty.com, and then you can Venmo at hockey royalty. So go out and get those shirts for your favorite holiday last minute gift. Russell will, will expedite those orders as soon as he possibly can. Uh, at follow us here at hockey underscore royalty at Randy Commando at NHL Russell at Jaden Paterino and all your rain news with with our buddy Kyle here at Kopitar for HOF. We're pumping out new articles every day. If you want, if you want to hear how Russ talked to the skating coach for uh, Byfield, oh, on the website. That. Yes, yeah, I mentioned if you, that. If, if you want to talk about all the new articles coming out, hockeyroto.com, great articles coming out. And uh, Teresa, uh, your first beer is on me if I meet you in Dallas. So find me out. Got yourself a brewski there. So, uh, and as always on this podcast, go Kings go.